yourself for sheer fucking hubris. Fucking hubris. Hello, and welcome back to Sheer Fucking Hubris. Uh, show where three gamer friends and Star Trek fans uh, conduct a weekly watch of a Star Trek Discovery episode and then discuss it in depth and give our thoughts and reviews. Uh, I'm Joe Bob. With me is uh, Mr. Willie and Biblio Ward. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. Hi, everybody. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> Good job, team. <laughs> and hey, hey, are are you are you quoting Lorca or what? <laughs> oh God! So. Oh, we re- wow, we are jumping right into this. Um, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Actually, I should I should hold up because. Um, well, we, we few, we, got... we happy few, we band of brothers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I guess. So we'll let's do our best to to uh, at least kind of separate the episodes because one of them didn't really make a whole lot of sense, and the other one equally didn't make a whole lot of sense. So I fear that if we mingle the two together, none of it's going to make any sense. What do you think? That's a, that's a theme of this show. None of it makes any <laughs> goddamn sense. Mm-hmm. This show is just... I, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to say some good things about it, because occasionally the characters will be interesting, and that kind of carries it. And, you know, I was I was thinking back, because this is, uh, you know, we're doing a two-for-one special tonight. We watched... Basically, the two-parter mid-season finale, and um, uh, it was you know the two episodes eight and nine, which were uh, Sivu Possum Cerebellum <laughs> and Over the River and Through the Woods. Yeah. And you know what the you know what the and, worst uh, part about this is though. What's that? I, I, is that when these other poor bastards watched this show as it was coming out, they got a two-month break from this. I know you bastards are gonna make me watch another episode next week. I don't even get, I don't even get a break. I don't even get those two months. I'm just gonna have to get straight back into it. Oh, oh boy. So anyway, I, you're absolutely right. I'm sure we're gonna end up watching another episode uh, this week yeah. and discuss it next week. That's right. But you know, as I was saying. This is the this we're we're halfway through. This is the end of chapter one, and you know, thinking back over it, none of it makes any goddamn sense. <laughs> and that is a recurring, that is that yeah. is not a recurring theme. That is the staple you, bedrock of this show. None of it makes any about, goddamn sense. You talking about chapter one or just six Semper Tyrannus and uh, um, through the woods or into the forest or whatever it was. No, no, I mean Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> Anything plot or science fiction related makes zero fucking sense. My favorite parts of the show, what I've liked it, have actually been the characters. And that actually, which ones I like or whether I like any of them, change from episode to episode. And I, after I finished 8 and 9, I, I decided to go and look 
and just see like are we switching up riders because it it feels disjointed because there are there are character moments that seem to show up and then disappear and then come back not character moments i guess character traits there are character moments we completely forget about from one episode to another and uh the pilot both you know episode 1 and 2 whatever they were called um Vulcan shoot first and uh battle at Takuma's beacon those two episodes context dot 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 is for kings and uh pick your penis were all written by the same group and those were all four terrible the butcher's <laughs> wife and uh this is madness no it's mudness <laughs> were wit- written by the same team and those were both i i, I thought those were basically my two favorite episodes i think of the of the season mm-hmm. and then uh different people wrote lethe and both of these episodes um and it really shows that's kind yeah. of that's kind of what I would have thought had, uh, you know, maybe not that the last that those three that I mentioned were all written by different people, but it kind of gives you maybe gives you a little bit more respect for the actors because even they don't know what they're going to have to do week to week. It sounds like that's very and, true. Uh, you know, when they try to explore the character in one direction, um, the next week they have to take it in the you know, complete opposite direction. And it may uh, have been a different director just about every week. I can't, I can't recall. I, I looked up, uh, like I said, I looked at who wrote it, but, uh, let's see. Yeah, it was, it was a different director every week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, I, I well, think that shows up. <laughs> I think that could tell. And, and like you said, I mean, it makes it difficult on. There's, there's um, no consistency of vision whatsoever. Yeah. And I felt like some of the characters were, I, I think I may have texted you guys this, but mm-hmm. in episode eight, I was like, I'm back to hating all these characters who I, you know, characters I had kind of started to come around on, you know, I, Saru and Stamets, I was like, God, these, they suck. And then in episode nine, I actually liked for the first time in the whole damn show, I think I liked every character or mm-hmm. I at least didn't hate any character on the Starfleet side. The Cl- we're not even going to talk about the Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have to because they are no more. Um, target oh, no. that explosion and fire. <laughs> um, it's like, <sighs> hey, I, I've seen this before. Um, so I, I will say uh, I didn't like any of the characters. I don't know. Did I miss an episode? Because I, I didn't feel like I really came around to uh, to any of them more so than normal. Of course, I probably didn't hate them as much as you do uh, from week to week. But, um, you know, again, none of them were uh, superbly likable. Um, Lorca was still Lorca. Lorca was still Lorca. <laughs> he was Lorcable. That's a great <laughs> yeah, term. He was, he was Lorcable. Um, and uh, uh, Saru in episode eight. Uh, uh, really irritated me. Um, I hated him in episode eight. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought I did think it was funny. You know, once again we have our binary food chain prey who can run like eighty kilometers an hour. I mean, what the hell? 
what are hunting these kelpies? Well, Somebody's not only got to show me that. Look, and he could he could crush. He's strong enough to crush whatever space metal that they use to build these communicators out of with his bare right. fucking hands. Yeah. <laughs> what are hunting these things? There's always a bigger kelpie. I mean, it's like <laughs> I just, I don't get it. It doesn't make it didn't make any sense. So and, let's uh, uh, let's recap. I just want to. I just want to. There are some ridiculously fast prey animals in nature. Just saying. Um, but but yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Definitely with the yes. Thing that, are they ridiculously are. And fast? The and the predators are always ridiculously faster. Strong. No. Yeah. And do they have threat boners? Which consequently, <laughs> I I think we just forgot about his threat boners for a lot of the episodes. Because yeah. I feel like the times when they should be going off, they don't. Um, you know, it it's not like a inkling boner anymore either. You know, it's just like when obviously there's something wrong is when it goes off. It's like what? Well, shit, we all have that. It's called the you know the hair on the nape of your neck. Are those our threat boners? Because it's 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 no longer like a, a prescient thing anymore. It's just um, you know, oh, wow, you were trying to trick me. My threat boner's going off. <laughs> so. Let's point out, I just want to point out, you've got a senior officer who runs at 40 miles an hour, is strong enough to crush titanium, whatever, with his bare hands. I'm pretty sure it was unobtainium because. Has learned to They live. were on Pandora. They were, by God, on Pandora that whole time has learned to live and function and deal with constant fear, which means he's probably not going to be paralyzed by fear the way that someone else might be in a critical situation. Isn't that pretty much tailor-made the perfect member for like a combat away team? Hmm. Why the fuck did he stay on the bridge in the pilot Hmm. when Jojo and Mike beamed over to Takuma's ship? Does that make any goddamn sense? I mean, I know we've we 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 thoroughly discussed the issues with away team planning, but like Saru's the perfect away team member for like a combat mission. Mm-hmm. Well, but babe, really, any mission with like danger potential, because yeah. I mean, and then to top it all off, you know, he's a science officer, so you know, he's not dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he seemed pretty dumb in this episode. Okay, well, but okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's, he's kind of like, he's almost, if, if you think about it, he's biological data. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I thought when he was, I mean, he was doing data-like things physically. And, and again, like you said, I mean, supposedly extremely intelligent. <sighs> did anybody Whatever. else, did, did, did anybody else feel like they missed an opportunity to have Burnham do the Vulcan death pinch on him when they were fighting? Like I was, I was waiting. I thought there was it. a moment where she was going to and got interrupted uh maybe it was maybe it was all happening so fast that Mm -hmm. uh maybe i just maybe i just missed it um but yeah saru definitely uh he definitely beat the shit out of her um he's 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 quite a worthy adversary not to mention he's super duper fast and uh uh so all right so he goes he goes to the planet right Here's so, what I don't I understand. Wanna, I, I want to say, first off, this episode looked pretty cool. The um, 
the space battle to start it off, as dumb as it was, and you know how squishy the uh, Discovery took one torpedo and went from seventy to ten percent shields. Well, it intentionally took a torpedo. Yeah, if that other one had hit him, wouldn't it have probably destroyed him? I guess so. But isn't I mean Discovery to be to be a science vessel is a pretty damn good warship because it was taking on six Klingon ships at once and doing pretty well. Steady, like. steady. <laughs> and I'm like, how is Starfleet losing this war if it takes you know Discovery without even using its dash drive can hold its own against six Klingon ships while doing an escort mission? And we all know those are the worst fucking missions you can do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every gamer in the world noticed that. And the Gagarian's AI is just about as stupid as most of the uh, ones that you have to escort in games, too. Because it didn't, <laughs> it didn't help for shit. <laughs> it didn't even but, maneuver in a way that would, you know, help the Discovery lineup shots or anything. It's, it's just, yeah. <laughs> could, also, could they reinforce just a little bit more the fact that it made no goddamn sense at all why it took them six months to go back and get the cloak because it's the edge that has the klingons winning the war it's what has helped cole rise to power uh, this this is so stupid right yeah anyway uh <clears throat> Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think that goes back to what you were saying about some of the writing and directing just having no continuity. I mean, like, some uh, some series can really pull it off. Like, I felt like uh, Star Wars Episode 7 to 8 to 9 was about as seamless as you can get. <laughs> Whereas, uh, you know, it's really showing up here when you're when you're flipping directors around, you lose all all sorts of continuity. This away mission. So this planet's got some sort of natural antenna that it's built up, and it makes its own music and broadcasts it out into the universe, and that's going to help us figure out the cloak somehow. Right. It's going to be a massive sonar beacon, apparently. How does but sonar work? There's still a fundamental misunderstanding of how, how sonar, sonar work. work? <laughs> because you've got to receive the waves back in order to process it so it doesn't matter if they're sending them out well what does you're... so in sonar stand for is it not sound i don't actually know what the acronym stands for but uh yeah beep beep so all right and you're I'm, i know what you're getting at here i think but uh so sonar just to answer the question that was asked is sound navigation and ranging so i librarian Right. Willie, how well do sound waves travel through space? <laughs> well, if you've got a big enough beacon, that one. <laughs> if you got a big enough beacon, I guess, uh, I guess it'll travel. Yeah. What? <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, but sound waves travel to a vacuum. No problem. Yeah. Okay. In this universe, that, they do. That's I guess been well that's... documented. Yeah, that's right. In this universe, we may be in a different universe, Joe Bob, by That's the true. end of this. That's true. Laws of physics may not apply. That's right. Um, uh, all right. So, once again, we can't beam down at a close enough... Uh, <laughs> close enough to make this convenient. 
we have to beam down whatever they said 30 kilometers outside of it and saru's like i could sprint us so i could sprint over there but you know i'm having to do this at human speed because of you slow fuckers <laughs> but then we come up upon the midichlorian life forms or whatever they are mycelium i i don't know what they were supposed to be but and then first contact protocol kicks in the to, problems, uh, yeah and phoenix doesn't even he's like oh is this prime directive shit and they're like no we've already interacted with them you dumbass yeah and suddenly we care about the prime directive again <laughs> and you know this with this mission to win the war right not it, only do we care about it but we care about it enough to possibly sacrifice the Federation by not completing the mission. There's not going to be a goddamn prime directive if we don't get this, <laughs> exactly. this crystalline <laughs> penis transmitting. Right. They didn't, they didn't uh, uh, trade uh, Machiavelli much at uh, these book, book exchanges that we hear so much about. <laughs> yeah, there's no Sun Tzu getting... Uh, <laughs> It's all Lewis Carroll. <laughs> uh, why wouldn't you just fly a shuttle? Uh, all of our shuttles have been captured. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, yeah. If you're so we get to, if we you're get, an alien we get down there. No, I just uh, no. I got another question. No, okay. no. All right, all right, all right, all right. If you're an alien that's made up of glitter sparkles. And, mm-hmm. like, it, whatever the fuck Saru says, like, they are the planet. Why you build a little hut? What's, what's the point of that? Why do you need shelters? That's I mean, a damn good question. I was kind of confused. They, I was like, what the it, fuck is this? Is this their, like, is this the Medicine Man's Lodge? Like, they do is this just in case gets, people come so. in? Why would you assume that a visitor would be, would need shelter? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, I, I mean, I... We build. Uh, I would think that we would assume that a being that visited us from another planet would would want some sort of shelter akin to what we use. We wouldn't plan for non corporeal entities. Mm-hmm. But what? Hey, whatever. May, us, we would be maybe covered. they have <laughs> maybe they have just ascended beyond uh, corporeal form, and that was like a relic that just happened to be. Yeah, exactly where it needed to be. Convenient. Does so. any of this make any goddamn sense <laughs> to anyone else? Because it doesn't to me. Well, here's what I don't get. Uh, so so Saru goes down there and he um he takes a hit of these little things, and uh, of course you know at first you know they play a little just a tip and he doesn't like it. It's too much for him. Right. So he backs away, and uh, but then later on you know they um. They tell him if if he loved him, he he let him do it. So he lets him in, and uh, you know, then just just sees everything for what it is, and and decides that the only way to experience all this true peace is just to stay there, right? And he's he spent his whole life in fear and running from everything, and finally he can just sit and not be afraid for once in his life, right? And so he's going to detain two people against their will in the process uh, 
wouldn't that probably somehow create a little bit of a conflict there for him that he's going to have to constantly be worrying about that situation? Because if you want harmony, you prepare for conflict. See, it's brilliant. It all ties back to the name of the episode. <laughs> well, see, well, I don't, I don't and see any Latin, so uh, I don't actually, I, I forget what we said that meant. I think it's if you, those who want peace should prepare for war or something like that. Um, yeah. So we, but, but so we decided we gotta, we gotta talk him into it. We gotta, we have to figure out a way to communicate to him so we can tell him that we're wanting to hijack their, uh, their antenna and use it to distribute sonar waves so that we can figure out where uh, uh, ships are cloaked. So, and nobody, and nobody here has heard the old saying, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Because we're like, we got to get their permission to use their, their shiny crystal penis. I think it just shows how much Burnham has grown since uh, the Battle of the Binary Stars, where uh, asking for permission or forgiveness was actually not much on her agenda. Right. But, uh, so, you send out these, uh, all right, you send out a sound wave. Let's say you got a Klingon ship five light years away. I don't even know how many sound years that would be, but how many years is it going to take for that wave to go out there hit a ship, let's just pretend that this whole thing works, hits that ship, bounces all the way back, right? What's the likelihood that that is going to help you at all anyway, right? Pretend that instead of it being sonar, since the writers don't fucking understand space, that it's radar, so it's EM radiation, and it's traveling at the speed of flight, five light years would take approximately five years to get there. <laughs> to get the data back. Well, you could you know? potentially have a ship receiving the ping, I guess, out there in space. I, I look. No, because because radar it it, it depends on the it, it's coming back to the source. So unless well, you're, yeah, but yes, I mean, unless that ship is traveling directly towards the beacon, you'd get it back faster. If it's traveling away from the beacon, you'd get it back even more slowly. Uh, but Obviously, I think the Doppler effect is way too advanced for these numbskulls. So maybe we shouldn't even try and bring that into the equation here. And, and well, even then, radar, how I would, use the how, word equation loosely because I'm not sure they understand math either. How does so, radar even work in a universe where there's faster than light travel? When you can outrun EM radiation, then it doesn't really make any sense anyway. None of it makes any goddamn sense. I again, I don't. <laughs> yeah, but it's okay. It was, this it, it it's okay stupid. because we didn't actually even have to get into the nuts and bolts of how it was going to work because we failed the mission anyway, right? Right. And instead of it becoming a weapon, it becomes like a uh, uh, a dinner bell. Yeah, <laughs> and so here's here's what I don't really understand. At the end of the episode, they're like, "We're the only ones who can protect these people." Why jump to the conclusion that the Klingons are going to show up, having received this message, and just annihilate the whole planet? Did anybody else feel like that was a bit of a stretch? Because that's what they do. They don't take prisoners, Willie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's right. They don't. They don't take them and make 
freaky deaky Klingon love to him. Is this for planet seven months or six is, months? Is this planet in Klingon space? Why are we assuming that the Klingons can? Why is Discovery the only ship that can get there? You know, I don't remember that that was clarified. Because it's like because it's like a ghost. It's the only ship that can get anywhere. Or is it just that Starfleet didn't want to send any other ships? There are ships they could get there because they were only three hours away from Starbase Forty Six at warp at five. Warp five. <laughs> That's a good point. It's a very good point. This is so very stupid. And Saru's acting like an idiot. Because it's not just that... Like, he couldn't just explain that, like, hey, I'm at peace. He has to act like he joined a fucking cult. Like, have you heard the message of our lord and savior, Glitter Sparkles? <coughs> He's, like, putting the, putting his hands on both of their cheeks. That was so and, weird. Like, stroking their face. And they both look that appropriately was... freaked the fuck out. Right. By this. Their, threat, their threat boners were probably going off at that moment. <laughs> yeah. And, but then he decides to be a goddamn dumbass and crush their communicators and not even touch the piece of equipment that they brought to turn Crystal Dick into a radio broadcast. And then the next morning when he comes in, he's like, no protein rations for us. Uh, what, uh, there's a semen joke in there that I'm just not even gonna <laughs> bother with, right? Oh lord! And uh, and Phoenix is stalling him. Okay, sorry. What's that? I said I am such a freaking ten year old. Um, <laughs> and and Phoenix is stalling him, and finally his threat boner goes up when he uh, touches the crystal after- that. That, that yeah. Phoenix touched. When he t- touches the chakra stone and it didn't light <laughs> up, he knows that something's afoot. And so, and then he says, he "Where just, is Burnham?" It's like, where the fuck do you think Burnham is? <laughs> like, you haven't been able to piece this together yet. What the fuck? Why would he be stalling you for any reason other than Burnham has gone to do the damn transmitter? And then, so Saru does his prey sprint. Yeah, Miss Carl Lewis. But Ash yeah. just gets beamed over there by the glitter sparklings. I wondered yeah. that too. And then none, none of it makes none of it makes any sense, man. Don't try this. And that road leads nowhere. Discovery somehow. Well, no. First we talk to the glitter sparklings mm-hmm. and and try to convince them that way. And then, if I'm not mistaken, Discovery just comes in and beams them up. How do transporters work? <laughs> hey, here's here's something I thought was funny, though. Uh, when they beamed Lorca and Phoenix off the Raider, and you were like, why didn't they beam in, like, all sitting down? Yeah, uh, yeah. They, but, but Saru beams over and still is like, straight, uh, you know, I'm so sorry pose, right? Yeah, I was well, wondering why. Uh, <laughs> uh, man. Well, not only that, but then when they when they do the uh, another away mission, they both crouch down ahead of time, phasers out, so that they beam in in the right. And then, I don't know. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. Mm. None of it makes any goddamn sense. So, so is this the same episode though that we see? Uh, no, Lorel's already gone into the meat freezer, right? And saw all of her buddies like uh uh No, this is the one where Lorel's that, that this episode. 
Well, this episode is the one where Lorel's talking to Admiral Doctor. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where, yeah. Um, and she's, uh, she goes up for Red October. Defect. I wish to defect. <laughs> Tell me yeah. about Ohio. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, so uh, and, and I would like, like to have seen Montana. <laughs> so. Um, that's such a good movie. You are both correct. Um, <laughs> and and uh, oh God, it was so bad. Yeah, there's yeah. the whole thing where she wants to defect, and then they get kind of caught, and they have to cover. So she's like, um, "I'm but, asking, uh, how do you treat your prisoners? <laughs> if say yeah. there was a spy planted on one of your ships, would you execute him?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so here, here's what I don't get. So it's like, here, uh, scream for me, and the guard will leave. What kind that, of guard? What, that, that's not how guarding what, works. That's right. That is not how <laughs> prison guards work. You know, and so, and then furthermore, um, good sales job on the whole. Oh, she took my blade, and I had to beat the shit out of her in the hallway after you called us. Like, Shame that, on Cole for not just shooting her dead right then. You know. Yeah. Well, but then we figure out he he didn't buy it anyway. Right. He didn't buy it. So anyway. It was. It was so. Uh, God. It was so fucking stupid. Like, and after like, he, after like, he paints it, the white hand of Sour Man on her, that's yeah, when you know he went through the whole procedure of painting her face and saying, you know, we will need a good interrogator, and then says like, by the way, I didn't buy any of it. Yeah, this whole thing was just a waste of time. But not, I was just, not, I was just fucking with you. None of that is very Klingon esque, but again, nothing has been so far, so we we shouldn't be surprised. So <laughs> she defect. She decides she wants to defect, and when it fails, she um, at least at the time you assume that she has either killed Cornwall or it was some kind of elaborate hoax uh, to make them think that they killed her, right? So she drags her into the meat freezer and that's where she sees all her buddies. And, um, you know, here's my other question. People are pretty willy nilly about the things they talk about out loud on a Klingon ship. Um, I guess eavesdropping is just a cultural no, no for Klingons. Maybe Klingon ships (laughs) are the least secure. It's so easy to break out of them. The guards just like fucking walk off because of a scream. And then Laurel and Admiral Doctor just saunter through the hallways talking to each other, not yeah. worrying about who might see them. I and mean, then, it's like in the put out a casting episode, call for some extras because you you've you got to have more people on these ships. You can't just have the main cast on these ships. Nobody's buying it. I mean, you can't turn around a discovery without having people yogging (laughs) on your left. And and even when you go to uh, play laser tag, there's at least like 50 Klingons on a ship. Where were they? And and the ship of the dead was supposedly huge. You know, where were all the people? Maybe that was a problem. Maybe it was such a big ship and there were only like 20 people on it. So... I mean, maybe, but it it looked the exact same as a D7. So I don't know. 
Uh, all right, so it didn't make so, any sense, and yeah, it, yeah, it I, if I ever get an infiltration mission, I want it to be a Klingon ship because it just doesn't <laughs> seem that hard. Well, to be fair, when uh, Mud needed to infiltrate Discovery, it was sparsely populated, also. But at least they kind of made that one make sense. Like he like darted, but you know, over between some walls and stuff. They're just walking through the halls, speaking in a conversational tone the yep. whole time. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, and so, I, I might we might as well go ahead and say that in the next episode, they jump in, and for God's sake, when you're doing an espionage mission, put your tricorder on vibrate. <laughs> they're like sneaking around. It's like. Beep, 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 beep. And who the fuck designs sensors to be like hidden on an enemy ship that have glowing blue lights pulsing on them and are saying sensors operational? Like, give them some <laughs> little pad that you just stick on a wall somewhere that might be a little bit less ostentatious. We haven't uh, we haven't developed the technology for the Viridian patch yet, so we had to. Uh... Or whatever the hell they call those things that he he slaps on Kirk the kick me sign he puts on him before he walks out. But um, so and, you know, and, 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 and I had, and a, I had a problem with that too. I had a problem with that because you put you have to put two sensors on there. First off, why? Right? <laughs> I mean, just target the sensor that you have on there. It's obviously on the ship. Secondly, that, okay, maybe that was so stupid. <laughs> Maybe they were trying to get creative and be like, we're going to triangulate their position, but we have to scan it in all directions. No, you don't. Do you understand what triangulation is? For triangulation, it's, you need three points. You've placed And the observer is one of them. And you are a ship. That's one, <laughs> two, three. You don't need it from every goddamn direction. No, no. Second you know where two of them if, are. If you've got a scanner telegraphing like where, where you are, where the thing is, just aim for the fucking scanner you, I, I think you guys are missing the point um the, the the point of the sensors was not so that they could take out the one ship they were trying to take out and analyze the cloaking the cloaking field so that they could share the information and take out all of the cloak ships and i get that to an extent but wouldn't every but cloaking in this device situation probably be somewhat different in this situation just take out the one fucking ship like and furthermore, how how the fuck does the spore drive fit into any of this? Why do you have to jump around to map it from different areas? Why can't you just fly around? I th- I wondered that too. Like why not just circle around them? Uh, well, especially it's... since the Klingon ship can clearly only fire directly forward. Like just get well, behind it, you know. Well, Get in the rearview mirror. The thing can't fire anywhere except dead ahead if it sees you. So, but I mean, if you if they just flew around, which would make sense, then they couldn't have that extremely dramatic and visually interesting scene of the, doing the eighty bajillion spore jumps one right after the. You know what bugs me about the spore jump too? Why does it always have to like land when it finishes its jump? Like it always drops down. Never goes up, never goes left, never goes right, never just appears where it needs to be. It's like taking an exit from the Mycelian interstate, and it has to, like, <laughs> literally drop out 
where it needs to be. Does that just bother anybody else? It's shifting gears down from a higher plane of existence. <laughs> yeah, which which yeah, we now which now we now know it actually was. And for some reason, Lorca, who's never cared about the science behind this at all, has Mister Miyagi this the whole time apparently, and mapped out every jump and found bridges to different dimensions or something. Yeah, and... we'll get to that. Let's save that for later. <laughs> Let's save that for later. Because, okay, so we finished the, the away mission. By the way, another part I loved about the away mission is when Phoenix is talking to uh, Mike and he's like, uh, you know, I got me a cabin. I'm going to go fishing. I, and she's like, I'm going back to prison. He's like, maybe we don't finish this mission. Maybe the war just goes on forever. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's your answer to this? Not like, maybe we run away. Or like, well, fuck it. Let's just keep the war going. <laughs> the hell? Okay. Uh, yeah, it wasn't dramatic enough. Wasn't dramatic enough. Yeah. Anyway. I got you. And that episode ends with uh, Lorca being like, oh, congratulations. Uh, you fucked this up. And they're like, no, 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 we, we didn't fuck it up. The Glitter Sparkles fucked it up. They think we can talk to the Klingons. He's like, well, great. That's just Dan. And I think that's where we finish. Yeah, approximately. That's that. And go to the next one. And he's like, I'm going to disobey orders by following <laughs> orders, but not with my spore drive. Mm-hmm. And stam it. Go get it. Go get checked out. And he's like, is that a real order? Or... Is this still just you covering your tracks? He's like, we need a paper trail, dumbass. And he's <laughs> uh, like, uh-oh. I did think that was funny, yeah. yeah. So go see the doctor, get your 4F, and um, and that way we have a reason that we couldn't use the spore drive. I and mean, not that, out, that's, not that that fit Lorca's, yeah, not that that fit Lorca's personality at all, but like, at least that would have made sense, you know? Like, hey, we need to come up with some kind of reason why I disobeyed this order. Um, you know, go get a, a an excused absence on this one. Yeah. And um, but but that wasn't Lorca. Like Lorca's personality would have been like, hey, Starfleet, you know, fuck you, right? Yeah. As as he has done through this entire show. Mm-hmm. So I was wrong. I said Orders. Lorca was going to go rogue, and he did, but he somehow did it in a noble way. Which uh, was not what I was uh, not what I was predicting. So. Honestly, he kind of Picarded it. I mean, you know, because the few times Picard got rebellious, it was in the bending the rules sort of way, and that's basic was it wasn't <laughs> outright defiance in any way. It's oh, and by so... the way, Saru's on the on the bridge like nothing happened last episode. Like he didn't essentially commit mutiny again. We sometimes <laughs> it's bad, sometimes it's Following orders is, uh, it's not really a cabinet. They're more guidelines well, he was, anyway. He was uh, under know, the influence uh, yeah. of, an, of, 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 of aliens. So, I mean, it, it, that wasn't... Not according also, to him. Not also according to not mind, what he said. He's like, no, uh, this was me. This is what I wanted to do. That's right. And and also, according to the doctor, he's like, you know, make it make it quick. Like, Saru can't handle any more stress right now or something. And, and the first then, thing she's like is, Saru, look at me. Yeah. God, oh, bitch. That's not... But, 
but then you know the, the the next episode's five minutes later and he's back in action um so here's my question so you know necessity is the mother of all invention these cloaks <laughs> have been have been around for a while we've we've uh it's obviously been creating an issue if they could come up with the sensor thing in three hours what was the whole purpose of the mission before that why have we not thought of that before why and and yes uh you know they apparently didn't take three hours right because they didn't make it back to the star base so in less than three hours they come up with a countermeasure for these cloaks now it's not a great one um but uh it didn't take long to figure out uh, a countermeasure for the cloaking devices yeah, so but that made no fucking sense at all. So it, where was it, that the whole time? All we had to do to figure it out is is for Lorca to give a speech and say, "I need you to figure this out in an hour, or we're gonna actually follow an order." <laughs> and nobody wants that. <laughs> like you, yeah. you've had seven months to work on this, and even Admiral, right. Admiral, uh, whatever, Falcon. Terrible, yeah. Terrible? What? That'll work. Admiral Terrible. I think he called him Daryl. That's a little racist, but okay. Admiral Daryl. Okay. <laughs> Daryl. T-E-R-R-A-L. But I like Daryl. That's pronounced to rail, Borden. Very well. I like. I kind of like Daryl. Yeah. Anyway. We're going to call him Daryl. All right. Yeah, so Daryl's like, no, no, we got to crack this cloak thing. Because apparently it wasn't a high enough priority when they first, when the cloak ship cut its way through the Europa seven months ago, but no, whatever. <laughs> Killing 8,000 people and one computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's like, uh, we got to solve this cloak thing. We got top men working on it. Who do you have working on it? Men. Top men. <laughs> <laughs> And Lorca's yeah. like, well, fuck. I've got Saru, Stamet, and Mike. They'll figure this shit out in an hour. I don't know That's why right. I didn't think of this before. And they do. Yeah. And they do. Because, because again, anytime we need a technological answer in this show, we have it. And it's not mm -hmm. even like we have to work hard to get it. It's just there. It just falls into our lap. You know? Um, like, in, in TNG... I'm sorry to bring this up, you know, to our maybe 12 listeners, but the most of which are probably me trying to figure out how to download it. But um, in TNG, like a whole episode would be dedicated to figuring out the technological fix they had to do. It wasn't a footnote, which it basically wasn't this. It's like, okay, we got it. Let's go. You know, um, it was just a footnote. We ha We needed it. We have it, and now we're gonna go on with the episode. And none of it made any sense. If you if you just need two sensors on the ship, why does it matter where they have to be, right? All you're trying to do is just analyze, you know, some frequencies. You know, put them in the cargo bay where nobody's probably gonna be in the meat freezer, where nobody should be, and let that be it. You know. Um, you know, again, it just it just annoys me the the liberties we take. First off, 
and maybe I missed this. Maybe that was the point of the distractionary jumps uh, with the discovery because it would force the Klingon ship to need to cloak, and they would drop their shields. Is that is that how they got on the ship? Mm. I mean, how would the ship? I don't know. No, no, because so, no, they it it was decloaking. The discovery was there as bait. They would decloak and raise their shields because apparently so, they can't have their shields up while they're cloaked either, which I think is the case. And so the discovery would, uh, uh, yeah, be able to beam them over when they decloaked, and then I guess the jumps, yeah, were to get the Klingons to cloak because they couldn't target them and they were worried about them getting the right angle on them or something. But it doesn't explain why but they had to do 133 a in, in succession. Who's the idiot now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the significance was of 133. Like, I mean, if you're going to torture the guy, I mean, why just go with an arbitrary number that low? Just be like, Mr. Stamets, we need you to make 1,489 jumps. Do you think you can do it? Uh, you know, when in reality, and here's, here's what I needed to know, or what I was wanting to know, if you were needing to receive like a constant stream of data to analyze this cloak, was jumping around with the spore drive not going to complicate that? You know, he's it not is. El Diablo. Now you see me, now you don't. Like, he actually, you needed to actually have a constant uplink with this thing and be, uh, again, I'm wondering why they didn't just circle the, you know, circle the ship. But Well, I think the answer is it wouldn't have cloaked. But I don't know why you couldn't just jump like 15 times. I don't know why it had to be. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> why did they it keep was jumping? So we could see Stamets stretch his arms out like Jesus fucking Christ <laughs> in that pose as the savior and get it patched in. And he could, you know, and and not Cuba Gooding could watch him and they try to keep him moment. alive until he could. By the way, when Stamets came out of one of the jumps confused and was like, oh, Captain Tilly, are you fucking shitting me? Are we going to go to a universe where she's captain? Or she's made uh, it to the captain's well, chair? He didn't, <clears throat> he didn't call her Captain Tilly. He said, oh, Jesus. He didn't he say Captain, captain Tilly. He just said Captain, but he could have thought maybe Lorca was down there. No. You don't look at Tilly and see Lorca. I don't know. I kind of see it. Can't see it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough, but I assumed he realized it was Tilly and it just come from a place where she was a captain and we're going to go there or something. Oh, man, I really hope not. Although, I could be wrong. <laughs> if she cut that 6.5 seconds off, maybe she got there. So When she was like talking to him and she's like, I can't believe you're not reassured. That's kind of my thing. It's like, no, it's fucking not. You are not reassuring in any way, Tilly. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, do you think after Lorca nailed Cornwall, she goes, "If you could uh, cut that by about six and a half seconds, you could make Admiral one day." No, I think that would be if you could increase it by six and a half seconds. Ah, she's a busy woman. She's got. Uh, she's got but a time. She, uh, she got a schedule to keep. Yeah, but That's then she like complains she just about disappear. it business like. But yeah. that, none of that matters now because you can't feel anything below her waist. Supposedly. Supposedly. You know, can I say something about Admiral Cornwall, Admiral Doctor? 
So we can presume that she probably went to four years of college and four years of medical school and, you know, let's say at least maybe four years of residencies and internships and so all that to tell you that the best way to deal with somebody having a PTSD attack is to scream, for the love of God, we're going to die if you don't do something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I okay. Mean, I, but to, I, to her credit, it snapped him right out. You let's know? talk about this PTSD flashbacks, because this is where I texted you guys. Oh, God, it's worse than I thought. <laughs> first of all, Klingon titties. <laughs> a first in Star Trek, I think. We got close with the Klingon armor in the TNG that had the, the, titty, the cleavage window. But yeah. this is the first time we got to see actual titties. I would have much rather seen a little bit wider cleavage window in TNG, though, than this. Just just putting that out there. I have been saying I thought Ash was a Klingon spy. I think it's worse than that. I'm afraid he's uh, fucking Voke. No. No, he's not. That would be in keeping with this goddamn stupid-ass show. No. I, I I see what you're saying. That's why she said they'll take everything from you, like even your identity. Mm-hmm. And he was taken captive at the battle. Well, no, he was taken captive like six months later, though. So Ash Tyler had been in in uh, uh, a booty jail for seven months at that point. So Volk was still Volk uh, like a month ago. Well, Ash said he and had Ash been Tyler there for seven months. There. Ash said he had been there for seven months. And did you not yep. see all the cutting they did on him? That's true. In the flashbacks that he has no scars from. You know, I also, think. I think. In fact, I mean, I, I. Well, now that you disagree with me, I'm not sure. But I was convinced when I watched that, and when I saw the way she reacted to it, I was like, when they took everything from him, they gave him a way to infiltrate Starfleet and destroy it, and he is somehow confounding these memories of coupling with Lacrell and going through this surgery with torture because they scrambled up his memory. They took his memories from him. They took everything from him so that he could pass as a human and not, and no one realize it. I mean, it makes so much sense that if they do that, I'm going to hate you for, uh, for saying this and for even, for even putting this idea into words. Because she does, she's like, no, 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 not yet. Like, you know, we don't. You and know, she's like, like I'll, the- you know, what do you do for, to your prisoners? And she says, I won't let them hurt you. And yeah. we haven't seen folk in several episodes. That's a huge loose end that needs tying up. I hope when it, that when I hope when, that if you're right, when Ash Tyler does his big reveal and like shoot somebody. His catchphrase becomes like, you just got invoked, bitch. <laughs> and like every time. That would make all this worth it if that's actually where they take it. So wrong. I just I oh Well there's clearly some what I kind thought. of uh Stockholm syndrome going on. Although I will also say maybe it was difficult to talk about during that scene when he was telling Burnham what happened. I had I couldn't follow what he was talking about at all. Was it just me, or was that so poorly written that like 
what he was trying to say he did didn't really make sense and then like and maybe that was what they were going for like he couldn't talk about it well but, what i thought because i could follow what he said because i was seeing the flashbacks and i knew what he was trying to tell her i was thinking is burnham picking up on this like because yeah he 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 he's explain he confessed it in a very vague very way which way. might be you know the way that someone would talk about trauma like that but it's too bad Burnham didn't go like, hold on, I've been trained in this. For the love of God, man, just tell me what you're trying to say. <laughs> so, oh, man. Uh, but so, so Burnham gets on, and we have, you know, the Matrix fight. And Oh, well, she... first of all, they beam over in their crouched position, hmm. and they are wearing life signature masking technology to make their life sign appear Klingon, which is so stupid. I mean, it's the smart thing to do, maybe, but then Why wouldn't you have been 40 people over there and just taken them over? Why? There is Isn't no this... sign that this technology ever exists in Italy. That would have been useful in so many fucking situations. <laughs> but furthermore, if you can fake a Klingon life sign, it would probably be a good idea as a just standard part of an away mission to have something on you to be also faking a human life sign. Because as we know, you can't beam someone, you can't transport someone without a life sign. <laughs> so it might have made it easier when someone, you know, dies so that you can grab, you know, still get a lock on them. Seems like that'd be a good idea. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, uh, it, you know, we also missed a big opportunity for like Burnham to have been standing on like an observation deck with the Top Gun theme playing while she's looking at Giorgio's dog tags. <laughs> and like she just like reared back and let it fly. <laughs> Maybe maybe it was an edited scene. Was <laughs> maybe it was a deleted scene where she went to the Tarda the uh the Tarda dog's release chamber and like she laid it down in a little a little thing and launched it out. <laughs> See, I told you there were more uses than just that. Yep. <laughs> I can't even concentrate. This bastard's laughing so loud. She, uh, the next time she's like waiting in the shuttle, she's like rubbing it. She's like, talk to me, Flipper. Talk to me, Flipper. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yep. Although I will say, like, I thought that was a kind of a cool touch where like they, it was kind of like a dog tag. You know, it, it it had the uh, the stamp yeah. information on the underside. That was kind of cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and he had been flicking it. You know that that was you did see it, and you weren't really sure what it was until uh, I thought it was just like the makeup for their hands. Like it was just like his thumbnail. Um, but uh, <laughs> but also I'll say I don't know how effective that would be at cleaning food out of your teeth. But I I guess we had to make it dramatic. Well, Klingons probably have like four rows of teeth, and like the cone I, heads. Who who knows what? Who knows what a Klingon toothpick would look like? And it's probably a batleth in most situations. I mean, 
Jesus Christ. Don't ask these questions. <laughs> Did yeah, they so, eat the other Klingons, by the way, her pals? Because one of them so. looked like he had been... Was, uh, one did look munched on. At least one looked munched on. Yeah. 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 That was what I understood. Apart. Otherwise, I mean, not that I would know. Yeah. My my interpretation of that scene was that they had been eaten. So, or at least partially eaten. Man, uh, does turn out to be Volk. You think Mike's going to take that well when he tells her he ate JoJo? Maybe she'll misunderstand and be like, well, look, hey, I'm not telling you my number. I don't want to hear yours. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Well, based on last episode, the magic that makes people go crazy, her number's zero. Right. But Which might be embarrassing for her. As, I don't know. The more I think through this, you're you're right, Willie. Maybe it is stupid. The whole, Maybe he is not folk. Right. But I just, hey. I really thought they were going for that. Yeah. I mean, we've got everything else so far, but uh, very logical. It's a very logical thing to say. Uh, so, so thank, Burnham beams over. God for universal translators, because we finally yes. got a respite from finally, the subtitles. Finally got one. And Cole uh, gets you know all what, pissy about appropriating Klingon culture. You know what would have been even better? <laughs> would have actually yeah. been if Burnham had started speaking Klingon instead. And so they just would have doubled down on the subtitles. <laughs> yeah. That would have been better. <laughs> That would have been so much better. No, they should have uh, had them, had them speaking English and had subtitles in Klingon. <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> that would have been funny. That would have been good. Yep. Close caption yeah. for our Klingon viewers. Oh, yeah, she just decides. Again, like, I don't understand how you sneak onto the bridge and plant the device and nobody notices it, you know. For one thing, it's the goddamn bridge. Mm-hmm. Like you think about every fleet bridge you've ever seen <laughs> in battle. Yep. And it'd be impossible to sneak onto that. Apparently Klingon ships are designed to be very easily. And well, yeah, they're in battle, but there's no consoles or anything. They're all just kind of standing around. No, no, you had the two guys in VR down there. They were the Did you? pilots, I guess. Yeah, there're two guys standing down there like bombardiers or something under the catwalk um i guess that was the pilot and con and all that stuff all right either way though um well there's no security on the bridge so so but she just still decides hey i'm gonna pop out i'm gonna shoot a couple people and then i'm gonna challenge cole to to one-on-one combat because that makes sense right yeah well yeah yeah whatever um She sort of holds her own, sort of gets her ass kicked, and then we do the, like, mic drop, jump off while I'm getting beamed out kind of thing. Yeah. But I we will got, say... We got Giorgio's dog tank. Yeah, before we beamed out. And I, how did... Shouldn't Mike have, like, broken her back when she got beamed in? Or I guess transport removes momentum. I don't know. I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. I don't when know. That was one thing I thought was cool about uh, the uh, the reboot movies. Where oh, when yeah, they, they did, did beam them in when they were falling, you know, like they hit the transporter pad so hard they broke it. You know? Yep. Um, 
yeah so they uh yeah so that didn't happen also why didn't she just tell him to beam everybody out before she left him like when what's his name was freaking out they'd already found cornwall why didn't she get him to beam him out then i don't know because they had not finished their 133 jump more than algorithm like, i don't know that it would have been possible with all the jumping around to get a transporter lock not because the target was moving but because the source was moving so much i would think that's probably if you have to have a logical explanation you're going to get i, I guess the i don't logical have to have explanation, a logical explanation is <laughs> shoddy writing well i mean <laughs> i mean yeah. i think that's the real world actual explanation well but, yes that is the time that you can do right. it and make it your brain hurts. Anyway, we're, I, we're, favorite, we're belaboring the details. We're my belaboring favorite the details, scene right. is coming up. I was about to say, we've got to move on to the way this episode closed out. Where Lorca visines his eyes before giving <laughs> the, the order to fire. Yeah, finish him. I don't know if eye drops in. And then stares at the explosion and then just turns around and walks off like a fucking boss. I love Lorca. Lorca was. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone want to he disagree was with me that Lorca is far and away the best part of chapter one of Star Trek Discovery? And it's not even close. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue. He was the only. Shining light, and there's probably he's he was probably he's he's the only big name actor at this point, too, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess you could argue that Burnham was in Walking Dead and Saru was, uh, like a I guess he was kind of like the Peter Mayhews of uh, uh, Hellboy, Look, Lorca's, right? Lorca's he was the, he was the yeah, but oh, that's oh, he oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know that, but I mean, I totally see it now. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so so Lorca was definitely the best part. But they broke him at the end because he was apparently he he actually really did care about Stamets, even though he just verbally berated him every time he was around him. And now, hang he on, was, no, see, see, I thought that was really well played because I thought it was ambiguous as to whether he cared about Stamets or whether he was just manipulating him. Well, well hold on, which scene are you talking about? The one last I'm jump. I'm talking about the two scenes. Or the map. The map and the one last jump. Both. Because I think there's a better than 50-50 chance that he wasn't tracking it so that they could observe things. And I got the impression he sabotaged the last jump. That the whole reason Dang. he was mapping it is because he was looking for an escape route to where he could still be in command of the Discovery. And they jumped somewhere with Klingon wreckage. So... I guess the way I interpreted it is he's going to make sure that the time. war does not end. Well, not jump time necessarily. They, or they, they jumped dimension. They didn't move. He's well, going to win the war in every timeline. It's not enough just to defeat the Klingons in his timeline. He's going to defeat them in every parallel universe. So he's going to keep the war going and he's going to stay in command of discovery. And so when Stamets told him that this was his last jump, he made sure his last jump took him somewhere that he couldn't possibly be removed from command and somewhere that the war, 
he had tracked and found a place where the war wasn't going as well. I don't know. Maybe I, I, I say this is my interpretation. I think I'm getting more into predictions and headcanon kind of stuff, but I don't know. I, I think, I think Glenn watched an episode, the first episode of Voyager, um, the night before this, uh, this script was due. So and... you didn't get the impression that Stamets, I mean, and sorry that, uh, that Lorca sabotaged the last jump. I did not. I think it was, uh, I, I interpreted the scene as first off, I thought it was super dumb that if it warp five, you it took three hours to get there. Warp nine is far more than like nine fifths as fast as warp five, right? Well, they can't go warp nine, can they? Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. They probably can't. Not at that point. But anyway, yeah. Why? What in. was the purpose of the one last spore drive jump? You know, well, and, and maybe it's to your point. Maybe it well, was the purpose. Maybe was, he had to do it. The stated purpose was that there were more Klingons coming to to the planet. That Klingon reinforcements were on the way, and even though we acted like we were there to save the planet, <laughs> we all know that wasn't the case. It really fucked the planet. Yeah, because we were scared that when the Klingons got there, they were gonna use sterilization plan number nine. No, no, this was the rollout of number one. This is planetary sterilization plan number one. So look, if the Romulans had seven, five, they only had five. Come on, five. You know the That's Klingons hard. have at least a baker's dozen. <laughs> but well, they have that of everything else. So, but anyway, the Klingon reinforcements were coming, <laughs> and they were worried they wouldn't get to starbase on time. Which I don't know. I mean, if if the starbase is only three hours away, why the fuck wouldn't the Klingon armada just go to the starbase? But yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so he was going to jump to the Starbase to save him. But I thought, because they really made a point of Lorca playing with, you know, setting the destination, which we'd never seen Lorca actually set the destination from his console before. And we uh, made the point I'm, of showing that he has I been tracking uh, all the jumps and has identified different dimensions, parallel universes. I, I thought he found one where... There was even more war going on, and that's where he was going to take them. Maybe you're right. I, I actually didn't catch that he put in the destination personally. Uh, uh, I like, mean, maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Warden, I was, you're not. I could have been you, in the middle of an think? eye roll. I mean, I know, I, I know, Warden, you've seen the rest of the season, so you know more than we do. But if you can try to reach back, if you can Harry Mud it and jump back in time, I mean. Okay. How did you interpret it as if he flung the wooden shoes called Sabo into the clock, into the cogs? It's <laughs> um, the term sabotage. Honestly, the first time I watched it, I probably I was not paying enough. I'm trying to. Well, remember. All right, well yeah, uh, as as a casual observer, I just assumed something went wrong with the jump, that it was not intentional. But. Everything you well, said the, makes sense. I, I want to point. It, it I want to point sense. out one other thing that that makes me potentially think that. And again, Tavington is just a fantastic actor. <laughs> I have a lot more appreciation for him after the you know this uh, series. The the little, just sort of, I don't know what you call it. You know, micro reaction that he has, and mm -hmm. mm -hmm. just one little moment when they he when he finds out that Cornwall's a lot. And on her way back to Starbase 46, that like, yeah, oh, shit. True. 
Okay. You now, know. I'm remembering I'm remembering 2017 clearing. Um I do remember distinctly all through the first chapter of like what's this guy's deal? Because I mean, they're they're leaning hard into that. What is it good guy or bad guy? What's happening? And I did notice the fact that he did enter the coordinates and things went awry and being like, okay, what did he do? Because you're right. He did make a big deal about mapping all the jumps they've done and that kind of crap. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Down to this question. First of all, a, do you buy that? It's not just bad writing and they're just shifting Lorca's character around that. He's suddenly, he cares about being an explorer. Which this is Lorca's kind of the one character they've kept pretty consistent, more so than anyone else. So I I kind of feel like maybe they would actually keep him consistent. So if it's not just bad writing, do you buy that he was really interested in this for an explorate from an exploration standpoint, or was he tracking all this and learning as much as he could about it because of ulterior motives? And if you buy that, then what was the ulterior motive, and you know why? Uh, why convince Stamet to make the last jump? Yeah. Well, you're. Uh, hey, look, you may be right. Um, you know, you definitely read into it more than I did. Um, I, I just, I just assumed that uh, I, I assumed Stamets was broken, and that because uh, Stamets made a big deal about it being one last jump. He said, "One last jump, and I'm done." And up until that point, I didn't really think that. I thought the whole problem with the dash drive was you had to have someone who could interpret the navigational data to take you where you wanted. So to, my understanding was like Stamets almost had to be picking that destination and focusing on it. So if That's a he good knew point. that it wasn't Starbase 46 or, or whichever Starbase it was, like he went in there expecting to be jumping to Starbase whatever. So if they didn't go there, I mean, maybe it was maybe it was Stamets that did it, or you know, or, or you know, that's probably as out there as as, as Lorca doing it, or as, I'm sorry, that's probably more out there than Lorca doing it, um, you know, because that because Lorca was so, basically saying go there and have all these doctors check you out, figure out what's wrong with you, or that's what Stamets said he wanted to do. So, I well, don't know. you know, it 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 could be. Because you you are right. The implication is definitely that that Stamets is directing where they go. But there's an implication because of the way he's disoriented and he's saying he's seen all the permutations that to get to where you go, you have to travel a route that takes you across dimensions. That that basically you are you know pulling yourself out of this dimension, taking a shortcut through you know extra dimensional space and, and ending up back in this plane of existence. And so maybe what Lorca was tracking was sort of the paths that paths that discovery was taking to get there. And he found a way to interrupt the, uh, the travel and pull them out somewhere along that path. But, so, okay. Then why, why does Stamets um, go all wide eyed and, uh, you know, kind of get all bonkers at the end? See, I, my interpretation was that it was a normal jump, Stamets, but in that la- that last jump, as the writers needed it to, you know, he made 153 of them in that, or 133 of them in that episode, and 
on the last one when he had some recovery time, something went wrong on it, and that because he kind of collapsed there, and his eyes went all milky white. So my interpretation was the problem was on his end. They were jumping somewhere, and Stamets uh, basically gave out. He finally uh, uh, had a, a mental breakdown or whatever you want to call it, and they got stuck, you know, in some kind of he either either they went somewhere in this dimension that nobody knows where it is, although obviously it's close enough there's Klingon wreckage, or yeah, they they wound up in a different parallel universe. Uh, I mean, you could be right, or it could be that interrupt that Lorca interrupting the jump is what fuck is what broke Stamets. Yeah, could be that. But once again. And we can't just foreshadow something. We got to full on telegraph it. I mean, how many times do you have to say it's the last jump? <laughs> I know. I'm about to have a lot of free time on my hands. We're going to go see that opera. I got one week to retirement. You know, like, <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> one week to retirement. Yes. <clears throat> the next time I say, let's go someplace like Bolivia, let's go someplace like Bolivia. <laughs> So, yeah, so we wind up somewhere else, and uh, it doesn't really hit home that nobody knows what the hell's going on until Saru says, I don't know where we are. So, you know, there's supposedly, I guess, was the implication there that, and maybe, maybe he said it, that there were no navigational beacons with which to communicate with, or that he was in a totally uncharted area that he couldn't like the planet wasn't in the system there was no information at all which which way did you take that oh well it didn't make any goddamn cl- sense at all because if there's klingon wreckage you would if there's klingon wreckage that. it is within traveling distance it one Federation would sandal, yeah. standard warp from klingon space and you're gonna see the same stars and you've got this same compu- stars computer planets, system yeah that should be able to pick out the fucking constellations or somehow get you a pinpoint. I mean, I would think you would have to go a ridiculous amount of distance before you would get somewhere that a computer as sophisticated as one that can do all this out, al- these algorithms while you're making these jumps and analyze a cloaking field. I think you would have to go a long way before the computer would not be able to give you an approximate location based on star position. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it was, you know, at least as bad as Voyager was, they knew that they were in the Gamma Quadrant or Delta yeah. Quadrant, whichever one it was, right? They knew yeah. where yeah, they, they were. Yeah, they knew exactly they, where they were. They're like, oh shit, we're on the other side of the universe. Um, so, ah, I don't know. So, all right. So, but we we closed out chapter one. Um, We've got the Phoenix obviously having some Stockholm syndrome going on with uh, with Laurel, who is on board and in some kind of geeky prison outfit, um, which I guess it was better than her Renaissance Fair outfit. But <laughs> so we've got her in that Cornwall's back on the ship. Uh, we don't know where we are. Burnham has got the hots for Tyler. There's about to be some kind of weird love triangle. Stamets. And Stamets is TKO'd. 
which yeah. means the spore drive is TKO'd. Yeah, spore drive's TKO'd. And the tartar dog is Tilly. still nowhere to be found. Yeah, they, they say a tartar dog can always find his way home, though. So maybe, <laughs> maybe the tartar dog will come back. And uh, Tilly is not a captain yet. But she's on but the she track. May be in this, she may be in this universe. <sighs> and uh, wouldn't it? Uh, there's so many loose ends. I mean, I know that they technically didn't end the show here. But can we just take a second and name some of the loose ends that I feel like we have? So Cole was supposedly probably the leading uh, figure in the Klingon Empire at this point, right? He's dead. His ship held the secret of cloaking technology. What I want to know is... Uh, well, he's now disseminated it, though, throughout the Klingon Empire. But did he disseminate it in a way that they could... Because once you gave it to somebody, why would they just not have turned around and used it against you? So I, I, I always interpreted that as um, he was giving enough of it. Like maybe he gives you the part, but you don't know the science behind it. Because it was still the only way that he was resting any sort of control over these houses. Um, so you uh, got, I don't you, know. It was the whole – the everything involving the Klingons was stupid. Yeah. So you got the breakup or, or assumingly the power vacuum in the Klingon Empire. We still don't know what's going on with Voke, uh, unless he's still just slaying his way through the matriarchs. Um, the telescope, I guarantee you that's going to come back into play in some fashion, and it's just going to be so eye-rolling when it does. Maybe the telescope is like the dreidel at the end of Inception. And like if the telescope can focus on something, we know we're headed in the right direction. No, I haven't seen Inception. Uh, it's, at the end, the way the way he knew something was a dream or not, he would spin like a top. And if it kept spinning, he would know that it wasn't reality. Okay. So, uh, let's see. There's still a bunch of Klingons headed for... The planet, the Klingon, yeah, or, yeah, or planet. The war's Earth still sparkles. going on. Yeah, the war's yeah. still going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got a question too about uh, the ship of the dead. In Battle of the Binary Stars, they made a comment talking about how the armor seemed impregnable on that ship because of all the coffins and everything. Right? Mm-hmm. It did not seem to be very impregnable. <laughs> I guess maybe we just forgot about that. That arm is too strong for blasters. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. What else have we missed? Did we miss anything else? Uh, we don't know what the latest is with Sarek. Sarek's gone. Uh, well, he's not gone. He's kind of gone, but he's not gone. I don't care about any of this. <laughs> I don't care. I, I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, I, I didn't especially love the characters. But they were more interested in any of the fucking plot elements of the first season or of chapter one. I mean, I, in episode nine, you had some some good character. I, the the scene between Michael and Phoenix where he's talking about the PTSD, even though it wasn't well written. That was the the first time that I've liked the way a scene between those two was acted like it. Uh, it was interesting. I'm interested in. The interaction between Phoenix and 
Lacrell, um, Saru was significantly less interesting towards the end of this season. He didn't do much in nine, did he? He didn't. He didn't do much in seven either. And everything he did in eight pissed me off. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Stamet and not Cuba Gooding. I, their their interactions are are neat. You know, I I like them together. I'm interested in what's going on with Stamet. By the way, just uh, uh it was kind of interesting. The the opera they're gonna see. They were talking about seeing La Boheme. Is uh, that's what Rent is based off of that opera, the musical Rent. And those two were did Rent together on Broadway. <laughs> so it was sort of a, I don't that's know, cool. sort of a neat little callback. And they kissed it this episode. And by the way, it did. I didn't even really think about it. it didn't feel super forced or anything. And yeah, it's not. I think that 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 well, we've talked before about how it's well their relationship is well acted between them. I have not cottoned to Tilly. I she still annoys me. What if Tilly's a Q? <laughs> <laughs> That's how they get back from wherever the fuck they are. That's how gets... they do it. I they've got that. There's a Q on the on the Discovery right now. And, what if Stamets becomes the first Q? And that's where they originate from. He's basically done it, right? He's 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 an interdimensional being now. What if he is uh, an artificial Q? You know, last you know last episode where you were saying, would it be funny if if Ripper went back to Neelix? It would be much better if he was Q's dog. <laughs> oh man. Um. If John Delancey is in the show anywhere, I'm done. On the spot. Done. Just calling it right now. Uh, Even though he's one of the best characters on TNG. I always loved his uh, the episodes with Q. But if they try to tug that nostalgia dick on and pull Q into this, oh my God. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. How long will it be before we see the Borg? Because <laughs> you know they cannot, they cannot hold those. They can't balls do a show without the Borg. Yeah, yeah. Because what do you know about what, what do you know about Star Trek? Oh, it's got the Borg and the Klingons and Spock. Well, I'd say there's two directions they can go. Right. Um, one, the Borg are like an eight-bit NES right now. You know. <laughs> I just I haven't gotten there yet. Or two, the Borg are like so far advanced beyond anything we've seen that it doesn't even make any sense. So it it would make more sense for them to be like an AI program that somebody's working on right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then a hundred <laughs> years later, you know, a hundred years later, you wind up with what they are in TNG. But uh, that's pro- you know the way this is going to go. They're going to be the orchestrators of the universe or something. So maybe that's where the wreckage came from. Maybe Lorca jumped them to something to a timeline where the Borg showed up early. And I hope I hope he gets hailed by another discovery where uh, Lorca has like this huge beard and like this muffled hair. He's like the, the Borg everywhere. <laughs> That'd be a nice callback. That would be. That's a nostalgia dick I'll tug. But um, it's, (laughs) yeah, this, uh, I'll admit, so as much as I've hated this show so far, 
right? Talking about it with you guys kind of makes me want to watch the next episode, not because I am genuinely interested in where it's going to go, but I want to see which one of our boneheaded ideas is the closest to what, where they go with this. <laughs> and I got to figure out what that fucker's laughing about, I think, too. I think that... <laughs> I think that... Uh, <laughs> We've we've made no um, we've not buried the lead at all on the fact that Warden has watched all of season one and season two. So <laughs> and, and and I've remained spoiler free except for I know Spock's coming at some point. I don't know if that's it's right. season one or you season can't, two. You can't not see that because it's a preview in front of every episode. Right. Yeah. But outside of that, I have no idea what happens. Right. Yes. That's what I was going to say. You and I are you know, basically unspoiled and going into this completely blind. So Warden, how close, I, you know, I don't want specifics <laughs> and I don't, you don't have to say if it's me or Willie, how close are we on predicting some of this stuff? Are we just out in left field on any of these or on all of these? Is there a little bit? I mean, I've had to mute myself a couple times. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means because we're so we're so dumb, or because, um, and 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 this is I don't know why my cousin Vinny is in my head any these days, but um, we'll say one of you on more than one occasion have been dead on balls accurate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, disconcerting. <laughs> like frightening, like. I can't believe that just came out of his mouth. Accurate. <laughs> well, get the, get the whoop, 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 whoop ready. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Willie, you said you you were, you were earned a whoop, 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 whoop on this one. What uh, what were you referring to? Uh, well, I was referring to the, because uh, I'd said that uh, Lorca was going to go rogue, and uh, I got a partial whoop, 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 because he did go a little rogue, and I said Saru was going to mutiny. Uh, which you he, nailed that one. Yeah, he he, and, uh, he did mutiny. It wasn't in the way we expected, but and then we I were said both... there there was Go going ahead. to be that moment where after he did, he was going to tell Michael Burnham that you know he understood, and they kind of had that there at the end with uh, you know when he was in sick bay. Uh, but Lorca did not go rogue in the like buccaneer fashion that I thought he would, although. If what you're saying is true, he went more in the rogue comet fashion, where he's just become untraceable and untrackable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. So so maybe maybe he does maybe he is quite rogue, and uh, and I also said that uh, I guess what I didn't get was I said at the end of this episode, Lorca would not be dead but he would no longer have his captaincy in the same capacity that he had. Yep. And I guess, I guess I missed that. Um, yeah, because he's, he's still in command. Yep. I was going to say, we both missed that because I asked that question last episode and, and we missed that. Um, yep. hang on, wait a second. Is Admiral doctor on board the discovery? Currently. Yes. So she was, so they, t- he took her to the, 
wherever the fuck too. Wait, no, so no, she's no, no, along wait, for the ride. Wait, 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 is she? I thought they beamed her on. They haven't gone anywhere else. They beamed her. They beamed her on. Uh, they said we've got you know so and so on board and all that. But uh, unless they sent her somewhere, I. I didn't trying to remember. Well, it would be standard operating procedure to put your wounded admiral on a shuttle to go somewhere with Klingons bearing down on your position as opposed to keeping her on the starship. Um, but she was sent back to Starbase 88 on an emergency medical shuttle. Are you fucking shitting me? So they did put her on a shuttle and send her back to Starbase 88. Yes. So she was not on the discovery when it went away at what point did they do that can the shuttles go faster than than the the ship can but the ship was going to spore drive back is starbase 88 closer than starbase 46 it's 88 what the fuck is going on (laughs) why is starbase 88 so close to 46 anyway wouldn't starbase 47 be close to 46 we broke him again (laughs) this is so stupid I uh, they're clearly <laughs> arbitrarily named. She got beamed Did over right no at the sense. end of the battle when they were about to head back anyway, and instead they put her on, on a shuttle to a different star base that's further away. I don't know. And forty six where they were going's got a bunch of doctors because we were talking about getting Stamets to a doctor. <laughs> and they're and and they were gonna sport drive over there anyway, so it was going to be instantaneous as opposed to not instantaneous, which is slower than instantaneous. <laughs> by a factor of infinity? Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. Divide by zero. <laughs> and uh, once again, there are Klingon ships bearing down on your position and to, to the and are so close that they were worried Discovery might not be able to make it back under standard warp without running into them. Do you think that the the um, and and glitter, we've the just glitter sparkles, had you think the you think the glitter sparkles are, were down there observing all this and be like, well, that backfired. <laughs> like, <laughs> that really got out of hand. <laughs> I hope that the glitter sparkles have their own version of Lorca that was like, you fucked this up. <laughs> this was not your mission. Abort mission. Mission of failure. <laughs> so. Oh, that's a TIE fighter callback. <laughs> that's right. I'm going cross <laughs> uh cross series here. And reaching <laughs> way back to nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> that's right. God damn it, why that shuttle you... got blown up again. Yeah, uh... that's why you don't put people on a shuttle. Whether it's a Tadirian <laughs> or a convertible, like <laughs> Why would you put? I it, I don't know. I don't know enough about Starbase eighty eight. It's Starbase 88's entry, and Memory Alpha is this is the Starbase that Admiral Vice Admiral Katrina Cornwell was sent to after she got beat up. <laughs> it doesn't is, matter what's going on at Starbase eighty eight. Why would you? How many times does it take <laughs> a shuttle getting captured mid transit before you decide? that putting somebody on a shuttle this close to the fucking Klingons is a bad idea. Especially when the whole episode is about how they have cloaks and can just hit starships out of nowhere. I mean, we said at the beginning that there were three starships that got hit simultaneously by... You know what? 
None of this makes any goddamn sense. I don't know why. I, I don't know why it bothers me when I know that the answer is that they didn't know how to write having Admiral Doctor on board wherever it is that they've taken us, and that's the reason why she's not on the ship. But Jesus Christ, maybe it's so maybe they stupid. only maybe they only had one wheelchair on Discovery, and that guy at the party already had it. So they uh, they had to send her off. How did we not mention that? Like, <laughs> I felt like that one was too volatile. I I left it alone. Plus, we didn't we didn't go into too much detail on that. But That's uh, true. The, yeah, the call out there, uh, you know, I kind of saw it. You know, crippy the crapple. By the way, that party, which I, I mean, I can see that like people in Starfleet would. Would party? I mean, we've never seen it before in Star Trek. Whatever, fuck, whatever. Right. But is that a good thing on an active warship? To like, I mean, there's only like 140 people on Discovery. Like 40 of them were in that party, boozing it up. Mm. And this is the days before Synthahall, so like you're actually getting drunk. And like, I could be wrong, but I don't think that they allow you to get hammered on the ship in the Navy. Like on active warships. Nope. Yeah, I thought that was pretty dumb. You uh, go into port, but no, not not on not on ship. Yeah. I don't know why the party, why we had to have it as a party. You know, I mean, they could have done something original, like had it as a poker game or anything. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, been super super original. Well, then you wouldn't have had liquored up Tilly, direct. You know, playing matchmaker. Matchmaker, matchmaker. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was... Uh... Yeah, it, it is weird that, I mean, a party of that magnitude as far as being that raucous, even though that they and... don't do that kind of thing, um, would have been more in keeping with something like the Enterprise-D, where there are a lot of civilians and that sort of thing, rather than a ship that is well, and not only that... a science vessel, but a science vessel at a time of war that's got the single most important military asset aboard it of the entire federation as they keep so but it's you know, cool because the chief of security is there right and he was, <laughs> and he was up there yeah. giving like a, a toast he was like standing on a table giving a toast and then seconds later he's reporting to the bridge yeah to, to i mean now granted it wasn't a real emergency it was just an endangered space whale but the, what was it gormagander a Gormagander, yes. The Ermagermagander. <laughs> I like it. So, yeah. So I, I am. So again, uh, I think I think that this just sort of reinforced the notion that this show, you just kind of have to not think about the plot or the science and just or the, the characters. Well, the characters at times are interesting. <laughs> I mean, like I said, Lorca's Lorca's fantastic. Whether he turns out to be a villain or a hero or a bit of both, they've they've created a good character, yeah. an interesting yeah. character. Um, Phoenix is is an interesting character. I think they they're gonna do something fucking stupid with him, but he's not a bad character. Michael darted out as a terrible character, but we finally got an episode where she was not just completely intolerable. Stamet was interesting for a good third of the season. Saru was interesting at the beginning. No, the, not so much towards the end. 
I mean, Saru, Saru's like the, you know, it's almost like they wanted to, at first they wrote him as like the canary in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then they, I guess, didn't have enough characters. And so they tried to start developing him a little bit because that first episode, now granted pilots are, are not always a good judge of shows, but that first episode, he, he was not to me regarded as a serious character. Um, the only thing he was missing was the actual threat boners, which didn't come in until a couple episodes later. Um, I, so I don't think they had Saru totally hashed out. No, no, no. I don't show. think that they. Um, I don't think that they know what to do with Saru. I think basically Saru was what he said he was at the beginning that he was part of. He was a prey species on a planet where it was only predator or only prey, and because. They bring that up all the fucking time. And I don't think that they know what to do with them outside of that. Right. That's what I'm saying. I think that's why episode eight was such a such a disaster was because you know, it tried to be a Saru centric episode, but I felt like there were ways that that episode could have made much more sense. Um Well that could be the well, tagline for this yeah, show. That's, I was about to say, that's an understatement of the whole show. Um, Remember, this is the show that started out with us walking out a communicator or a Starfleet insignia in the desert that the ship could somehow see from orbit. Which never actually came back around that that they were observed doing that. I always thought that that was, they were were planting (laughs) that seed. I don't know why you thought that. (laughs) That never came back around. Oh no, I I had a feeling that when we when they left that planet, it was never to be seen again or referenced <laughs> or spoken of. But hey, you know the universe we're in now, JoJo might be alive. We might get her back. <clears throat> oh son of a maybe bitch. in this universe she eats Klingons. <coughs> if I call so... something on that. That is, see, it happens. <laughs> see, this is why I don't know, because it happens when I'm just being stupid. Like when I'm like, what, are we going to see Harry Mudd next episode? <laughs> and then I'll be goddamned if it's not a Harry <laughs> Mudd episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that begs to ask the question then. We do, uh, we obviously know there's a Spock in there. Is it even the same Spock? That we're about to meet. Good question, and and so. I don't know how long we're gonna spend. You know how I mean the the question is how long are we gonna spend trying to get home? I mean I, I, I'm interested to find out where we are. If it's an alternate timeline, if it's the same timeline but in the future, but you would think it would be around the same time span because the Klingon wreckage looked sort of like the ship. Are ships we gonna from that era? Or- I mean, is there a chance that this show is going to play with time travel to try and write out the criticisms about the technology being so screwed up? Oh, I think, I yeah, I think we're going to go either, we're going to get far away from the Star Trek timeline that exists, <laughs> right. whether that's going a hundred thousand light years away or a hundred thousand years in the past or a hundred thousand years in the future. <laughs> They're eventually going to take us somewhere where whatever the fuck they do has no bearing on the Star Trek timeline that's established because people have 
I'm sure people are bitching about some of this shit. Right. So I, I'm almost going to call it that this is this is a timeline that we were led to believe that we were in the existing Star Trek timeline and universe. All this is taking place outside of it so that all the people who were like, oh, the dash drive is, is too advanced for this timeline, they're going to be like, see, now, eat a dick. This was a different universe, a different dimension, and all of our technology is okay. And the only person who knows it is Stamets. No, they're not going to. Well, they're not going to stay completely away from it. They're, they're not going to cross it over it, sometime. It's, it's, we were either in the actual prime universe and left it, it now. or I think we we're in it now. somewhere else and just came in. I think we're in it now. Now that now that we're talking about it. And Lorca was mirror Lorca all along. I mean, I, I always said I thought it'd be hilarious if we were in the mirror universe and every, you know, and that's the reason everybody's an asshole. But I, I mean, I that would be too clever or self-aware for them to do. So I don't know. It's hard for me to buy that we just now got to the Star Trek prime timeline. But then again, fuck it. None of this makes any goddamn sense. So I... <laughs> I, I mean, I, look, I'll say this for them. They've piqued my curiosity. I want to find out where we are. I think it's going to be stupid. <laughs> I take that back. I know it's going to be stupid, but I want to see how the how the Lorca thing ends. <laughs> I want them to prove me wrong on Phoenix. I'm curious as to what's going on with Stamets. I don't ever want to hear anything else about Katra or Sarek. Or any of that shit. Let's just drop that storyline. I'd like to check in on the Tartar Dog and see what he's doing. The Tartar Dog is all around us. It binds us. And I forget what else the rest of that line was. <clears throat> it surrounds us and binds us. Binds us, penetrates us. And I don't have any. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Joe Bob. As bad as the show has been, and maybe it's just morbid curiosity. I do at least want to watch the next episode to figure out what the hell happened to the discovery and see where this train wreck is going from here. (laughs) Yeah. I think everything we've been seeing was taking place in a different dimension or different universe. And we've jumped back into what we know as Star Trek and Lorca's going to go in there and he's going to uh, mingle with, with Starfleet. And that's why none of this technology had ever been in any sort of other Star Trek before. Because he's going to realize that the, the technology is too powerful and it would rip the universe apart if it crossed over. And he's going to have to skedaddle back to another universe uh, before he destroys the one that we've known. And that's how they're going to explain the complete lack of any of those technologies uh, in that timeline. I don't know. I think that would be ballsy for them to have said all this that you were watching didn't take place in the Prime Universe. But I also said it would be hilarious if we had been in the Mirror Universe the whole time and that's why everybody was such assholes. <laughs> I, I think it's more likely we were there and we've gone somewhere else. And the Prime Universe would just write off the dash drive as a failure because the Glenn, uh, you know, 
the blew itself or all hands lost and then we scuttled it and now the discovery is somewhere else we don't know where else but it's gone which means we have neither of the two prototypes so that's why we couldn't replicate it um and you know what i said about Lorca tracking samit's moves and going you know finding other places to go fight his wars maybe maybe he's been doing that for a while maybe he hopped into this one to fight his war yeah so that's their idea of a mid-season finale i can't wait to see the ending of this season and i'm kind of kidding because jesus <laughs> yeah it's... should we we've kind of done predictions should we do more predictions sure yeah i would yeah let's let's get the definitive chapter two predictions out there so that so we can we know it precisely what needs <laughs> all right i think Lorca stays in command until the, the end of the season uh i've already predicted we're not going to see the end of the klingon war and i don't think we will because i think we're going to be somewhere else now we might see more klingon war and wherever the hell we are as dumb as it sounds, I literally think Ash might be Volk. <laughs> See, I, I don't, I don't think he's gonna be like Volk. I think he's gonna be kind of like the Winter Soldier in Civil War, mm-hmm. where she's he's a sleeper cell, and uh, Lorel's gonna activate him because she said, you know, like now's not the time, you know. Um, well, I, think I mean, that's gonna... best case scenario. He's at least that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I still say the Tartar Dog makes the return, and I'm gonna be so. damn disappointed if it doesn't. Um, and I hope when it does, it recognizes Burnham and goes up and licks her again. Uh, I don't think the weirdness with Stamet is done. No, I don't think so. I either. think we're gonna be dealing with that fallout for a while. Uh, I think. I think, like you said, time travel is coming. I think they're going to try to get as far... They're going to try to get away from the prime timeline so that they can do their damage off in a corner. Yep. Um, And maybe they do bring it back and tie it in with Spock, but... Yeah, maybe not. I think it's going to be time travel related. It may not be. It may just be universe jumping. They're going to do something that's going to take us away from the known Star Trek canon so that they don't have to explain what they're doing anymore. Lorca is going to become increasingly unhinged. I think Lorca is going to be the new Stamets. Interesting. I was just thinking. Because we're. we're, Well, uh, uh, assuming Stamets got to have a pilot to support drive. Oh, why follow? Yeah, Lorca is going to be the new Stamets. And start piloting the ship himself. Well, or or they may just not be able to use it for a while. You know, that may be the reason they can't go home for a little while. I don't um, know. I don't know where Voke is coming from. I could see where you could possibly be right. Well, um, see, here's the thing: if we've jumped universes, we didn't take him. We took look. We got Lacrell here, and how she fits into a different universe. I mean, I don't know for sure that we're in a different universe. I assume that's what happened, but maybe not. Um, yeah. I don't think the Kling- uh See, I, I don't know, because I, I say I don't think the Klingon War is going to be the focus anymore, but then why the fuck have Vulcan or Lacrell and uh, 
whatever well, the hell at, uh, Phoenix is. It's obviously going to be something. It's obviously going to have a part of Chapter 2 because that's the first thing they noticed was Klingon debris. So, uh, like I said, I, I don't think... I'm actually expecting something like the uh, scene when Riker's like, the Borg are everywhere, except it's going to be the Klingons. They've gotten into either a different universe where the Klingons have taken over. Well, and that's kind of what I was saying um, when I, I said, you know, I think Lorca is, was tracking Stamets' jumps, and he's identifying, you know, all the universes where the war is going poorly and they need discovery, and the war is not over for him until they defeat the Klingons in every possible so, uh, permutation. Okay, so then in that scenario, we would have had to have started in the Prime Universe because nobody else knew that. It's, you know, at this point, you'd think jumping a universe, Tilly, Saru, everybody would have known that they had, like, jumped a universe, right? Because everybody knows what's been happening. Right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the alternate universes weren't created until we started monkeying with the sport drive. Oh, God. If, that's, if they take it there, that this is the reason for all the parallel universes, we ripped space-time. Oh, boy. I mean that would actually that would actually make sense for the mirror universe because it was always a little bit silly that the only you know that that the mirror universe was so close to the current one you know I mean if it had existed since the beginning of time there would be you know there would be a lot more changes that had ha- that could have happened along the way but it was yeah. only slightly different it was a late split and if it only split 10 years before that, you know, and during the Klingon War, that could potentially make sense. What if uh, what if the event was the 133 jumps in rapid succession in a close uh, proximity? You think they're going to tie that back, that that, uh, that had some kind of effect on the space-time continuum? Okay, I'm going to put a break, um, just so we don't waste a lot of time. <laughs> It may be that there was a late break. I agree with that. But there are Mirror Universe episodes in Enterprise. So it's... Okay. Uh, just saying. Well, like all I right. said, we have to do Mirror Universes. Okay, well, all right. Uh, thanks for... Thank you, Warden. Keeping us from going down that rabbit hole. Um, any other closing thoughts? Or... But I don't... I mean, I don't know how to predict this. It's in, It's like trying to peer into the mind of insanity. It could fucking be anything. I mean, they could... It, what I said last week about Admiral Doctor being the Borg Queen, we could literally see that in the next episode. That's what the Klingon wreckage is from. She is the Borg Queen in this universe. And she just wrecked the Klingons. Okay. And that's why the Borg Queen drops down and is only like an upper torso is because the Klingons wrecked her legs. And... Now she wants revenge. It could literally be something that's stupid. Or, you know what? You know what? It could be... genius. Or it could be that in this universe, the Klingons figured out the spore drive first, but they weren't decent enough to let the Tartadog go, and finally the Tartadog's had enough, and he summoned a Tartadog army, (laughs) and they used their ripper claws to ripper (laughs) up the Klingon ships, and that's where the debris came from. It could be anything. I'm not taking any option off the table. Okay. I am so excited about Chapter 2 of Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> you sounded. 
I'm really looking forward to this shit. Really sound it. I have one last prediction. One last okay. prediction. Okay. Uh, as they are existing in the alternate universe trying to get back, the way they know how much time they have left is on the back of Giorgio's comp pen. Like they see it changing as the universe is, <laughs> is running out of time. It's like the picture in Back to the Future. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's my last prediction. <laughs> that would be awesome. See, and this is what concerns me with Warden's vague answer, because I try and throw out some really just stupid, bonkers shit. The stuff you put out is equally stupid and bonkers, <laughs> but it it at least can kind of fit into what's going on. So either way, we're about to run into some bonkers, stupid shit is all I know. It should be a hell of a ride. <laughs> um, all right. Here's a good prediction question. What? Do you understand my evil laughs now? God. Yes. Here's a, here's a prediction question for you. Are we going to make it through season two doing this? I assume we're going to finish out season one. Are we going to be able to do another season of this? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I really do because season two is going to be even better. <laughs> Oh, especially because there's stuff that you've already predicted for season two, and I need it to be. I need there to be resolution. Oh, I need oh there to be god. resolution. Oh my god! <sighs> All right, that's Warden, it. what's I'm the name of our bed. next episode? The next episode, episode ten, is despite yourself. Despite yourself. All right, what? we'll be back next week with episode ten. Despite yourself, Gordon takes out. I mean, all go. right. Well, I yeah. guess that's uh... steady. <laughs> Warren, Joe, Bob, and Willie signing off. Fight and Fury performed by R.J. Wilkes, used under license from Shutterstock.